You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. the way God draws us. It's the way that we grow, and it's the way we stay in close contact to Jesus. We can never grow apart from His grace and the knowledge of our Lord. We must never grow out of His grace and the knowledge of our Lord. We will also have to grow. This means the more you know about Jesus, the more importantly, the more you know about God. And you come into that physical relationship. It's a personal relationship that you have with Jesus and God the Father. The intimacy you can have with God is yet one more layer of His infinite grace. Not only does He save you from the oppression of sin and eternal hell, He invites you into relationship. As Pastor Dave will encourage you in today's message, commit yourself to getting to know your wondrous God in deeper ways every day. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 14 as he continues his message. Do you not believe? What is the powerful thing about God's Word? It's the spiritual lifeblood of the human race. God's Word is our spiritual lifeblood. Why? Because of three things. Number one, God's Word brings salvation. God's Word brings salvation. Look at 1 Peter 1.23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God. So God's word brings salvation. Number two, God's word produces faith, one that we kick around all the time. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We all know that one. We all quote that one. And finally, three, faith produces spiritual growth. In 1 Peter 2, 2, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So the word produces spiritual growth. Why? Because Jesus' words, God's words, are not only spirit, they're life. His words are spirit and life. In fact, he says that in John 6, 63. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Why are Jesus' words so powerful? Because they come from God the Father. Jesus doesn't say anything that God is not saying. They come from God the Father. In fact, they are so powerful, they are so meaningful, that when the entire group of disciples left Jesus and the twelve standing there, after he said, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, when they're all standing there, he turned to them and he said, will you leave me too? And Peter stands up and says in in, in verse 68 of chapter 6, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. They understood that part of it. Even at a very early young age, even at a very, very early young age, way back in Luke 4, Jesus spoke as one having authority. He spoke as one having knowledge and authority. In fact, it says that all who heard him 
were astonished at his understanding and his answers, his words that were coming back at them. They were astonished. Where did this 12-year-old get this knowledge? How did this happen? What Jesus is saying here is he is emphasizing everything that we've been reading in the Gospel of John, that Jesus lived and he spoke in constant dependence upon God the Father. He did nothing outside the realm of God the Father. Nothing outside. And you can find that in John 5, 19, and you can find that in John 8, 28. So here he calls on his disciples to believe in him. Not only to believe to him, but believe in him. The commentator said, faith includes a recognition that what Jesus says is true. We have to believe in his words. Jesus is challenging his disciples, and you know, folks, he's challenging you today. He wants us to believe, to place our trust in, to place our hope in, to place our faith in, to place everything we have. His words prove that he is one in the Father. His words prove that. His words claim that to support. Was he expecting an answer from Thomas? I mean, Philip? Yeah, I think he was expecting an answer from Philip. And guess what, folks? He's expecting an answer from you, too. He's expecting an answer from you, too. Do you not believe? There's a question there. He's waiting for an answer. Do you not believe? Do you not believe that the Father is me and I am in him? Do you not believe that we are one? The words I speak should testify of that. The words I speak should tell you that I and he are one. In fact, in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, John is writing, and we studied it at great length. John begins his chapter with these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then when you get down to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Why? The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who's he talking about? Jesus. Jesus is the living word of God. Jesus is the word that come down and became flesh. He is the living word. Okay, but that might not suffice. You might not feel comfortable with that. Then Jesus gives you another foundational truth. He gives you another foundation on which you can build on. Another foundation that's going to say, these claims I'm making are true. Look at 11. Believe that I believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sakes of the works themselves. So Jesus is saying, believe my words. All right, if you can't believe my words, at least believe the works that you see. The works that you've seen me do. All along, he's been saying, these works bear witness of me. These works bear witness that I am the Son of God. I am who I say I am. I am the Son of God. They claim to be true. So I have to ask you, according to Scripture, what were the works of God? Jesus says, I'm doing the works of God. I'm doing them, and you've seen them. You guys have been with me for three and a half years. You've seen the works of God. What were the works of God? Well, in Matthew 11, we find that John the Baptist is in jail. John the Baptist is in jail, and he's waiting execution. And he's kind of concerned. He's kind of worried. 
about Jesus and his ministry. And he's kind of concerned. And listen to what happens here in 11. We're just going to read verses 1 through 6. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John, this is John the Baptist, had learned in prison or heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two disciples to him and said, are you the coming one or do we look for another? This is a good question. This was a logical question. John wanted to know for sure. And Jesus answered and said, Go tell John the things which you hear, words, and the thing you see, works. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. These are the works of God, and Jesus is doing them. The works that Isaiah said that would happen by the Messiah. Remember that verse, heal the brokenhearted? I've come to heal the brokenhearted. So that verse right there. Jesus is pointing to the evidence of his works, the evidence of his commission that his person, that he has the authority. And he's pointing to the Father. He's pointing to the works. He tells Jesus that these works should prove that I'm from the Father. Even the Sadducees and the Pharisees knew that Jesus' work was from the Father. They knew they were, they were, they were holy. They wouldn't do anything. The works I do, they testify of me. They're evidence. He was fulfilling promises of the Old Testament. The death hearing, the dead being raised, etc. This is God's work in a needy world. He said, I'm doing the work of the Father. I'm doing these works. Believe me or believe the works. Even at Jesus' crucifixion, even at Jesus' crucifixion, there were a group of soldiers guarding the crosses. There was a group standing around Jesus' cross. Jesus was on the cross. They heard his words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They heard his conversation with the thief. Today, you will be with me in paradise. They saw the way he died. They watched him die. They saw it. They heard it. They saw the earthquake. They saw the sky darken. They knew everything that was going on. What was their answer? Now, Luke says, one of them said, surely or truly this was a righteous man. But in Matthew, the group of them, and it doesn't say which one said it, so almost they kind of all agreed, says this, truly this was the Son of God. How did they know? They saw the works and they heard his words. They saw the works and they heard his words. That This is what Jesus is saying. This is what Jesus is saying to Philip. Philip! Philip, you hear the words I speak? You see the things? Come on, man, put them together. Get with the program. He's just like we are, though. Come on. Do you know that there's a movement today to disprove the biblical recordings of Jesus' word? There's a group that says if your Bible has red letters in it and you think they're Jesus' word, they're not. There's a group that wants to disprove that. And they've been trying all along to disprove that. And if we were to take Jesus' words out of the Bible, the New Testament would only be about a page and a half. Because they want to take Jesus out of the country. They want to take him out of the way. There's also a group that doesn't believe in the miracles of Jesus Christ. And some pretty heady commentators do not believe in the miracles of Jesus Christ. They don't believe that Jesus did any of these miracles. They can't have, there's no proof. This is where our faith comes in. 
I have said before, and I'll say it again, Jesus didn't ask you to understand. He didn't ask you to comprehend. What did he ask you to do? Believe. He asked you to have faith. This is where it comes in. Faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? Well, guess what, folks? I've seen evidence of God. I've seen evidence of God in you. I see what God's doing in your lives. I see miracles happen with healings. I see things going on in your lives that God is doing, and I see that. And that's evidence to me that God exists. I feel the power of God. Do you ever feel God's power? Maybe you don't feel it all the time, but sometimes you can just feel God's power. Sometimes the Holy Spirit in this room is so thick, you can feel him. It feels like he's right there. I feel God's presence in my life. I feel his presence. I know he's there. And I see the evidence of God's existence. And thus, my faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger because I see evidence of God everywhere. The glorious sunset we have over Sunset Beach. The beautiful sky and the different colors and all those kind of things. His majesty, his glory. Go up in the mountains and all those beautiful things that we have. Creation alone screams of the existence of God. We see with our eyes and we saw and we know and we have evidence. I don't doubt his existence. Because the evidence tells me around. One commentator said this, quote, Faith is the sense that gives us evidence of the invisible spiritual world. Remember what Jesus said? Unless you're born again, you can't see spiritual things. Unless you have faith, unless you come to him as a little child, you can't see spiritual things. Faith is not a bare belief or intellectual understanding. It's a willingness to trust him. It's a willingness to rely on him and a willingness him to cling. So the question is, do you not believe Do you not believe? And it's interesting that the word here, believe, in John 10 is singular because Jesus was talking right at Philip. He's talking right at Philip because he was having this little thing with Philip. But then he switches in verse 11. It becomes plural because now Jesus is addressing all the disciples. He wants all the disciples to know. And what he's saying is, go on believing. Who was that? Don't stop believing. Journey. Thank you. I thought it was. Don't stop believing, folks. Come on, you know. Uh, I'm getting old. Anyhow, the verbiage here is the verbiage here is grow in your faith. Grow in your faith. Do not stop believing. Faith by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. And this is the whole issue of understanding Jesus Christ. What is Peter's charge? What is Peter's charge to us in 1 Peter 3:18? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Grace is not merely the way God draws us. It's the way that we grow, and it's the way we stay in close contact to Jesus. We can never grow apart from his grace and the knowledge of our Lord. We must never grow out of his grace and the knowledge of our Lord. We will also have to grow. This means the more you know about Jesus, the more importantly, the more you know about God. And you come into that physical relationship. It's a personal relationship that you have with Jesus and God the Father. The more you know, the more you grow. The more you grow, the more you believe because your faith is strengthened and you believe harder and nobody convinced you otherwise. To know Jesus is to know God. To believe in Jesus is to believe in God. But what does it mean to believe in God? What does it mean to believe in God? Simply put, to believe in God is to possess confidence in him. To believe in God includes acknowledge of his existence. But true belief is so much more than that. True belief is so much more than that. Scripture says that by believing in God and that he's the true God, it's the foundation for our relationship with him. 
And when we believe in him, when we put our trust in him, when we put our faith in him, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards us with him. And he gives us him. He wants us to know that he exists. But this is the first step. Knowing that God's exist, knowing that Jesus existed and still exists today, knowing that is the first step. Why do I say that? Because James tells us that even the demons know who Jesus is. Even the demons know who God is. So that's just maybe the first step. To believe in God is a commitment, and then there's a change. Yeah, I said the C word. Change. That's what repentance is, folks. Repentance is change. I once was this way. I confessed my sin and I repented. It simply means I changed direction. I'm no longer following sin. I'm following God. That's what repentance is. It's a simple change in behavior. Sadly, people confess to know God. They profess to know Jesus Christ. But you don't see any change in their life. I'm not saying that we don't sin. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you say you don't sin, you're a liar. But I'm saying there's a change in your life. You're not what you used to be. And you're not what you're going to be. Praise God, you're not like you was. You've changed. Changed. Genuine belief of God is based on one thing, and that is who he really is. Who God really is. The Bible says, when you come to God, you must believe that he exists. You must believe that he's God. And you put your faith in him, and you put your trust in him. Some people put their faith and trust in all sorts of gods. Great, wonderful book of Genesis. I love the book of Genesis. It talks about the creation in the beginning. And it says that God created man in his own image. And you know what? For thousands of years, man's been trying to repay the compliment. Man's been trying to make God in his image. I want to make God look like me. I want to make God the way I want him. God made me this way, but I want to make him like this. I want to worship this God, the one I create. Don't believe the lie. His love is not superficial. We can't determine our definition of love. It's God. God is love. God is not a doting grandfather who will give you anything you want as you sit on his lap. He's not a doting grandfather. But God does want you to have joy. He wants you to have peace. And he wants you to have trouble in the midst of trials and tribulations. To truly believe in God as he has revealed himself in scripture, we must believe on Jesus Christ. Hence, Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. See, to have a true relationship, you can't have one without the other. To have a true relationship, you can't have one without the other. Remember last week when we read Hebrews 1 verse 3, Jesus was the radiance of God. He was the, the, the expressed image of God, the substance of God. Remember what we talked about last week? Jesus is God in the flesh. And it is through him that God has revealed himself to the world. Through him. In ways that sometimes we just can't understand. Hebrews 1 said that God revealed himself and talked to the prophets and the fathers in the past. But now in these days. And the scripture says, in these last days. He has revealed himself to his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus is saying today. He's saying, 
Believe me by the words. And if you don't believe the words, at least believe me because of the works I'm doing. So I have a series of questions that you need to answer because God wants your answer today. God needs your answer today. Do you believe that Jesus is God in human form? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins? Don't worry about his sins or her sins. Your sins, my sins. Do you believe that those sins should be a penalty which caused you separation from God? Do you believe that the sacrifice of Jesus, who was God incarnate, is the only adequate payment for your sins? See, as you believe and put your faith in this, your life can change. You believe these things? That's great. But believing in the facts is only part of the question. Now you must believe into a saving faith. You must believe in relying and trusting in those facts. You have to rely and trust in those facts. Are you trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you believe in him in times of woe, in times of trouble? Do you believe he'll get you through the woes and the troubles, that they may come out the way you want them to, but he'll be right beside you as you go through? If you don't believe that, you need to ask Reenie and talk to her for a while. How God will be with you in the midst of the storm. He won't get out of a sinking boat and say, you're on your own, kid. He'll be with you the entire time. The entire time. Are you relying on his death as full payment for your sin? Are you depending on the resurrection of the dead so that you're going to be raised to eternal life? Do you believe? Do you have that hope of eternal life? See, if you had that hope, if you had that belief, your life would change. Your life would be different. All would know. If Jesus was a chair and you were sitting on him, if he was pulled out, would you fall to the floor? I would. Some people said, oh, he's just your crutch. No, 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 no. He's everything. He carries me half the time. If you understand and believe what the Bible says about Jesus, and if you're entrusting in those truths about Jesus Christ, I mean really trusting, not your lips, not your verbal lips, but in your heart, believing, because it says, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe that with all your heart, then the Bible says you're saved. The Bible says you have salvation. You have eternal life. Your sins are forgiven. But if you are uncertain of those facts and you desire to, do, to believe that, that's why you're here today because God is drawing you closer to him. God is drawing you ever closer to him. Come to me, all those who are heavy laden. Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let's change yokes. We must believe, trust in Jesus. We must rely on him for salvation. We must allow God to take our sins and take those ashes of our lives and turn them into beauty. And turn them into a beauty as unexplainable. Jesus said to his disciples, and he's telling you today, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And that's what he's saying today. And that's what he's asking you. He's asking you the question. Do you not believe? You are the book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start, 
So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.